fashionably late. Fashionably late. What's up, everybody? What's up, Alex? What is up? I apologize, folks. For some reason, Blog Talk Radio kept giving me a busy signal when I'm trying to call into the host queue, which is strange. But anyhow, <clears throat> welcome to a very exciting edition of Kayak Fishing Radio. Tonight, we celebrate the 10-year anniversary of Local Lines Guide Service. Congratulations, my friend. Yay! Yeah, I'm looking for that. That's yeah. my fault, too. I was supposed to have that <laughs> queued up, but... That's the uh, it's the unofficial. It's the unofficial (laughs) official tenth anniversary. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's close enough. We're celebrating it, and uh, oh yeah, that's awesome, man. That's that's a huge accomplishment, obviously, to be in any business for ten years, let alone the guiding business. Yeah, it's definitely uh, not an easy uh, an easy task for anybody who's accomplished any kind of longevity in the in the guide service industry. Yeah, so um, I'm actually in the middle of creating you a little a little gift. Oh, that's nice. Don't get too excited. It's a fly. <laughs> But uh, made of chicken feathers. <laughs> but actually, it, it does have feathers on it. But it is my rendition of your absolute favorite color, SST XL. Oh, I like that. Yeah, except it's like got green eyeballs, which is kind of weird. But that's the only color I had. So, hey. Green for go, buddy. Green for go. Green for go. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, so I'm, uh, I'm, at this moment, I'm at this moment in time cleaning up the catastrophe that is remnants of processing a whole bunch of sand fleas. Whole bunch. Good fun. Well, why don't you? Uh, Tell our listeners a little bit more about said sand fleage and why it is such an awesome day today for you because of the fact that you not only got them but got so many of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had to work for it. We had to drive for it, unfortunately. I wish Brevard County had sand fleas like that still. But the uh, – no, I do it uh, once, once or twice a year, uh, particularly these times of the month. Um, I go and collect sand fleas in mass and then package them and uh, freeze the packages and then stock my deep freezer with said sand flea packages for my charters throughout the year. Works out good. Sand fleas are a great bait. I don't think a lot of I don't think a lot of people put as much credence into the fantasticness of the bait that is the sand flea. They're wicked awesome I will if you leave say, one in your car or boat. Don't do that. Don't forget yeah, one don't somewhere. It ain't like a shrimp that just dries up and kind of stinks for like an hour or two. Uh-uh. It's a whole different stink. It's interesting that, that, it, that they stink that bad, isn't it, for such a small little creature? Oh, and they do. When you have them, when you have, you know, 
plus side of five gallons contained in one little container or, you know, five to ten gallons, man, they start to, they, they're a pungent little sucker. But, uh, but man, they're a good bait. Everything loves them. Everything. I've caught everything on samples. Particularly sheep's head drum and pompano. Whiting. Yeah. Redfish. <laughs> Redfish yes, demolish them. They love them. It's pretty funny, actually. Um, I've always found it pretty funny to use them in the river, but it's it's just like an intuitive thing. Um, I don't I don't. I'm pretty positive that we don't have any sand fleas in the river unless you're probably down by Sebastian, and they may come uh, in just through the inlet or something like that. But you would think. Or that. am I wrong? Oh, One see? would think that. I'm learning but. something tonight, folks. But, and I wouldn't know this information if it wasn't for the horrid fish kill that we had a couple of years back. But um, Ted Lund himself witnessed um, a shoreline down Pineda Causeway, actually, in the banana. Um, after the fish kill, it appeared that they had pushed themselves up to the edge of the water, like a lot of other stuff did, uh, trying to get the last little bit of oxygen they could, and uh, died there, and then obviously washed right up onto the bank. He was there the day. Wow. He was there the, the morning after because it happened. We fished the morning of the fish kill. Me and my dad actually fished it um, and didn't really notice anything wrong other than we ran behind a boat and the water smelled just, it was just, it was funky, almost metallic tasting. Because uh, you know how when you run, when, you, when you're in a boat or something behind another boat, boats put off almost like a, it's almost like a sea mist, you know, when you go through it. Um, you yeah. can usually smell the exhaust and everything else. Well, the water was like almost metal, almost like almost like tinny tasting in your mouth. Um, and then later that afternoon, fish were floating or fish were dead on the bottom. By the next morning, they were floating because it was so warm. And uh, so he was out the very next morning on Pineda, and had or the very next after morning, late morning. So the birds hadn't gotten to him yet. And he said there were, as far as you could see, sand fleas down by Pineda. I didn't see it anywhere else that I looked, but that doesn't mean that they weren't. So I'm just saying, it is, it was, or it has been known as the world, one of the world's most ecologically biodiverse estuaries for a reason. <laughs> That's so. interesting though, because I mean, I've I've dug my feet in a lot of areas of the river, and, and I've walked, yeah. especially the Pineda area, so much, and never really came yeah. across them. But then again, I I was never really looking for them. Never would have thought to look yeah. for them. So that's interesting. You know, maybe they have to be along the causeway where the wind gets enough water to give them a little bit of a wave. I I I don't know if they they need that wash um, to live. But it's where they live, so it makes sense that they kind of need it for some reason. Or they live everywhere. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So, I don't know. It was interesting. But anyways, I digress. Everything loves them. To yeah. <laughs> they catch everything. Yeah. Everything. Everything in the lagoon, you can catch them more. Black drum will literally fight each other to eat the things. And they don't have to be live. You don't have to get them live. You don't have to try to keep them live and take them fishing the next day or hope that you can find them. 
You know, it's uh, it's a little bit more of a process to find good amounts of sand fleas these days, as it used to be uh, before all the re- beach renourishment stuff and and all that jazz. So, but when I can get them, I go get them, and I fill my freezer full of them. Sweet. Well, we also are joined tonight by uh, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mr. James Page. North side represent. <laughs> What's going on, sir? It got above freezing for like five days in a row. It's awesome. Above freezing? For the high of the day. It was like in the hmm. 60s on Sunday. It was awesome. I went and caught a fish. It felt like an ice cube. But the fish ate. He did eat sinking line woolly burger. What kind what kind of fish was it? It was my favorite fish to catch, a bluegill. A bluegill. I had did a well, bunch of yard exciting. work and walked down to the pond. So throwing a sinking line, because man that water is cold. And that fish was almost white and it felt like an ice cube when I grabbed it. Hmm. Yep. Our 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 ponds in our neighborhood have frozen all the way over with ice in the last month because it's been so cold. Not ice you could walk on, but you look across the entire 15 acre pond and it's one piece of ice. That's happened That's crazy. multiple times. You can, you can, you can keep it's that. Cold. Yeah. I can keep all that. Yeah. Yeah. You can, you can yeah. keep all that. We don't, we don't need any of that down here. You and Alex, you and Alex need to come up and enjoy some of this. It'll get you right. I, I will tell you this. I would love to come up there and do some of the trout fishing. Like that, that we've been talking about that for a lot, for a bunch of years, and that needs to happen at some point. I don't know. It Alex, does. Do you, uh, you think it, that sounds it, it interesting, would need, it, Alex? It would need to happen in, in, uh, in months that didn't start in the, it's freezing cold because it's this month category. <laughs> but just think, when it gets this cold, when you build a fire, you can really enjoy it. Think about that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure polar bears enjoy floating around on ice caps too, <laughs> but I ain't doing that either. <laughs> oh, goodness. So, uh, Alex, Alex, tell us some uh, tell us a good story, man. I mean, you've had ten years of guiding. I mean, that's a long time, and uh, I know you've you've got to have some like favorite moments while guiding. You want to you want to share a story, and, or two, or ten, mm. two or ten or twenty. I mean, whatever you um, want to do. This is this is this is your this no, is your every- moment, this is your night, dude. Every deal. trip, every every trip with local lines guide service, the fish are jumping in the boat and everybody's smiling and happy. There's really no story to tell. <laughs> I no, like that. Been, That's really good. <laughs> <laughs> there's been well some played. Good ones. Luckily, my yeah. Luckily, my um. Luckily, and I don't. It's it's not my design. I don't know if it's uh, by my nature and and just the way I am that that lends itself to it. Uh, my, my blacklist, my, um, my, my never, <laughs> my asterisk list 
is uh, very, very small. So I've had a lot of really great clients over the years, and um, I've gotten to spend spend a lot of time and and have a lot of fun with people, and uh, and to you know I think teach people a lot of things because I tend to kind of babble about fishy things while we're out on the water for hours on end. So typically, I think people pick something up, and um, I'd have to say most of my really great stories probably center around um, center around kayak fishing. Uh, also, some of my uh, my greatest uh, I would feel I would almost feel accomplishments, um, and in terms of an accomplishment, as far as I'm talking about between me and a client is to to know that that person went from being somebody that was maybe not very knowledgeable about the area or the ecology or the techniques or tactics. And uh, it seems like the kayak fishing has lended itself really well to that teaching aspect that I like a lot uh, because a lot of people uh, get into it, um, kind of jump in and uh, and look to, to go fish and uh, hang out with me and kind of get an idea of what's going on. And, and over the years, I've got to see a lot of those people um, progress, so to speak, you know, and become their own self-sufficient little anglers. And, and, uh, and knowing that not only is that person uh, doing stuff for themselves and, and figuring stuff out and, and having a good time, but at the very least, they've heard uh, some of what I have to say about the area and making sure we keep on top of the uh, taking care of it. So I don't know. I think that's, that's one of the, the up, upsides of, uh, especially the kayak stuff is the teaching aspect really of the guiding period is, uh, is the teaching and, and sharing everything I've learned over the years. There's been some good ones in the, um, <laughs> in the, in the, the kayaks. I've had the standard, um, you know, boat issues, this, or push pulling back from that. Um, Luckily, nothing too bad. Uh, once or twice did the old. Actually, I think I've only really done once where I didn't notice it before we got away from the dock. Uh, the old uh, forget to put the plug in. <laughs> have the uh, had to have my client, and uh, he had to sit up on the bow to get the get, get her to plane out a little bit, get the water to start going the right way out the hole, and then. He held the wheel while I hung off the back with it running, <laughs> hung off the back of the skiff, and uh, I actually tied a loop of mono around the um, around my wrist and around the plug, so if it got got a little squirrely on me, I didn't lose it in the freaking water as we were running wide open down the river. <laughs> but uh, that was That's a pretty awesome. fun one. Yeah, the skiff is always good for some stuff like that. Um, couple of times i'm sure we should have probably not been offshore when we were offshore in it and stuff like that but uh, i'd have to say some of the best times have been uh there's been some good ones with the kayaks the kayaks and big fish off the beach always lends themselves lends itself to some some comical antics i had one guy that couldn't stay in the kayak and couldn't keep the kayak upright to save him he couldn't do it i don't know what it was about him and uh we were in the ocean (laughs) It got to where I wouldn't hardly let him have any gear. The fishing, actually, that was a pretty slow day, too. We were finally like, I was finally like, look, it's slow. We're we're a good good bit past our time now already. Let's just put these on the beach and, and take a deep breath from there on out. 
Um, I've since fished with the dad. I haven't fished with the son that uh, Captain Flippy Pants. He was pretty good. Uh, he was um, that was an interesting one. He got flipped several times and flipped himself several times. So, but uh, some good surf launches. Luckily, most of my surf launches are pretty easy and stuff like that. I don't know. It's it's you know it's kind of one of those things where oh you know think of one story and it's hard to because. Like every day is something new, every day is something kind of crazy, you know, whether it's uh, up in the no motor zone. That was years ago. I had I was up there with a client, and we watched uh, an eagle eat, I don't know, probably six or seven ducklings um, in a pretty, pretty wicked display of straight-up planet Earth, BBC, uh, should have had a good camera footage of uh, predation. So that was pretty wild, and that was, I'd have to say that's probably one of my, personally, one of my favorite um, uh, aspects, uh, you know, of of all, there's a lot of aspects of my job that I love, but, you know, getting to sit there and observe predation and animals doing what they do, and uh, having that opportunity to to not just go fish because I worked all week, and, and I I finally get my Saturday and I'm you know it's raining it's windy I don't care I'm going regardless you know but being able to sit there on the on the water day after day in and out it's uh I don't know man it's it's definitely a blessing and and uh you know Chuck it's not easy there ain't a single bit of it that's easy or everybody'd be a fishing guide you know <laughs> yeah and uh, oh yeah in time in times of plenty like right now where the economy's doing pretty good. We're trucking along. It's been doing good for several years. So, guide services—it's a—it's an—it's a luxury item, you know. Going out and taking a fishing charter—it's uh, a luxury item. Even if you're trying to advance your own fishing, it's still something that—that's pretty much a luxury item. And uh, you know, when the economy's going good, you'll have more people interested in doing it, you know, for a living. And um, I started when—that was—that's probably one of the horror stories—is being able to somehow managed luckily I've, i worked it right and was able to get through it you know the the first few years of my business was you know in 08 and and uh and you know 07 08 right as i was getting kicked off was right as the uh, economy was crashing you know not only that but uh shuttle program in our area which was a big a big driver of the local economy mm-hmm. shut down so it was um you know that's actually what i did what I did prior to this, I was an aerospace technician for the shuttle program. A lot of people probably don't know that. I used to help make shuttles go into space. It was, uh, you know, I've done done a lot of different jobs. And, um, you know, I didn't just happen up across the information that rattles around in my head that I spit out every now and then, um, be it writing, uh, you know, in my, in my several different places that I, I get published at or, or online, you know, posting or, or even on here. Uh, I didn't just come by it in the last 10 years. Um, it didn't, didn't just start. This is what I am. <laughs> this is what I've been my entire life. It's just all I've ever known. Um, just being able to kind of blend everything together and, and uh, turn it into a career uh, that will last me hopefully for the rest of my life uh, something that's pretty awesome. It's uh it's amazing. You got to like what you do too. You got to enjoy your job or it's just a job. So luckily I've had a lot of cool jobs and I've enjoyed just about every single last one of them. But 
I played a lot of hooky from school. <laughs> That's what got me ready to be a fishing guide. <laughs> it was hard to go to Dude, can you imagine living on Pine Island Road, okay? The ditch is right there. It's pre when they redid everything. The ditch in the summertime, literally at the end of my driveway, was tarping right there. Tarping everywhere, wading the, the flats right out there out back of Pine Island. Could you imagine trying to get to school with all that going around? In the, in no. the summer and warm months, you'd walk out the door. I'd be like, forget the, forget the school bus. I'm going fishing. Yeah. Yep. So, but now it's been a good ride, and I can't I can't thank the the people that have supported me enough, man, because it's it takes it takes a yeah it takes a a village to raise a child, and it, it takes more than a village to to raise a business, and uh, and it's definitely definitely helped out. So it's uh no, I'm stoked. It's it's been a it's been a good week, and 2018 is going to be an awesome year. Once I once I wrestle this boat into submission, um, get that thing on the water and be able to have some fun in it. It's so. a very interesting year for sure. Oh yeah, no doubt. Apparently, it's going to be a year full of sand fleas for bait too. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. I've got a I've got a favorite Captain Alex story from the past 10 plus years or so that I've known, known you. Um, granted it, it wasn't a, I guess every trip with you technically is kind of a guided trip, regardless if we're fun fishing or not. Cause you tend to tell me where we're fishing and we go and you say, you know, they're here and I say, yay and catch them. Um, but probably my favorite, fly my favorite, yeah, I know. Probably my shut up. Probably my favorite uh my favorite story or my favorite time spent on the water with you has got to have been uh Chukaleski. Um of all the of all the fish mean you have caught and all the things that we've done, I, I think that honestly Chukaleski was probably one of my favorite times on the water with you and I'll tell you why, because we would have if it wasn't for Alex Alan and Peppy and anybody that was watching us would have all been lost probably dead <laughs> somewhere off in the 10,000 islands um, island. <laughs> still living there eating barnacles off of mangroves and stuff python food yeah yeah Peppy Alan would have been the first one gone and then Peppy me and Peppy probably would have fought it out, and I don't know, man. He's pretty wily. He may have taken me out, may end up eating me cannibal style. But anyway, um, it just it amazed me. Still to this day, it amazed me Alex's ability to be able to uh, get us from point A to point B and sound so confident <laughs> in knowing where we were. Whether or not he was or not, I don't know, but sounding so sure that this island right here, guys, we've got to go right. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, like, this guy's got a freaking top spot map. We're in the middle of 10,000 islands. There's no way the top spot map has all of these islands listed on it. So 
But I'm going to go with it. I'm going to follow Alex's lead because he seems, he sure as hell seems like he knows where he's going, and he's the only one out of all of us that doesn't seem a little bit afraid for our lives right now. And uh, <laughs> sure enough, man, everywhere we went, we popped out exactly where he said we'd pop out. Every time we made a turn where we were supposed to, we popped out where we were supposed to pop out. It was just, that was pretty cool. But I will say, I, I have, uh, I've caught, I've caught a, let me let me think about it now because I don't want to. I've caught a first, at least a first with you, which was the triple tail on fly. I know that was a frustrating day for old Captain Alex. Um, we uh, we <laughs> found plenty of fish. I fed plenty of fish. I couldn't seal the deal on plenty of fish, and then finally, from underneath a dead gannet. <laughs> Remember that? Underneath a, <laughs> yeah. From underneath a dead gannet Those comes this freaking gannet. Yeah, it comes this little triple tail all like, hey, what's up? And I made a cast at it, blew the cast, and then the fish turned around and swam away from us. Remember? It was it was swimming away from mm-hmm. us and into the wind. And uh I punched a shot through the wind and it was it was a I'm I'll pat myself on the back for this. It was actually a really good cast. And uh <laughs> Fish, tra- fish tracked that fly, ate it, and the celebration that ensued afterwards was just was awesome. And uh, I can't I can't thank you enough as as more than just a friend. I can't thank you enough as for having put up with my fly fishing bullcrap <laughs> so many <laughs> probably solid year and a half, two years now where I think every time I fished with Alex, it, the fly rod's with me and there's no spinner rod involved for the most part, except for the tournament. Um, but, uh, yeah, thanks, man. I, I really do appreciate you putting up with it because, uh, you know, it's, it, it, it meant the world to me then. It means the world to me now. And that stupid little triple tail is still one of those fish that I will never, ever, ever forget catching. In fact, I, I still have the fly. It's sitting right here in front of me. Um, so, uh, yeah. And, and, and to top it off, to make it even sweeter in February, you're going to be, well, let me, let me not put the cart before the horse, but I'm going to knock on wood and say that there's a very, very good possibility that I'm going to knock my number one bucket list fish off the list with you, with me, which again is, is too cool for words, man. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah. No, I'd have to. I'd have to say those those first are uh, they're pretty epic moments when you when you get to experience them on on a pretty regular basis. That's one of the upsides of of guiding here where we at where we're at. We don't really consist of, upon a local uh, community of people uh, as much as uh we do a lot deal a lot with with tourism and and people that are just coming into town um and maybe haven't had an opportunity in their entire life to even see a redfish let alone catch one or see a you know a nice big monster trout you know let alone catch one and and uh i've i've seen some pretty pretty amazing catches go down over the years and and uh some pretty pretty super things man it's definitely uh it's been a fun ride so far, that's for sure. For sure. Very cool. Well, you know, and it's it's just one of those things, man. It's you, you, when when 
when you imagine, and I, folks, I'm not saying this because the guy's one of my best friends and he's the co-host of my show, but it's 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 the honesty God's truth. And there's a few people there in the chat room that I'm sure can attest to this. There's a there's a difference between there's a difference between a captain, a guy who has his captain's license, and a true fishing guide. I don't care. It, listen, and and and. I know that the the term fishing guide doesn't technic, doesn't normally transfer over to the the blue water. Typically, it's just captain so and so. But even in that realm, I think that it, it it does. It should because there's two different kinds of people in this world that do what you do. There's captains, which are the guys that go out and get their captain's license, and they either run a boat for somebody or you know they they haul boats around the state or up and down the the in the country, uh, by waterway, whatever. And then there's real guides that, uh, you know, I, I just, I think um, it takes a special person. It takes a special kind of person to be a true fishing guide, to be able to, as you said, drop knowledge on people or talk to people about the fishery and the habits of fish and understanding the intimate workings of fish. And you leave people with that feeling that, wow, not only did I have a great day on the water, I caught some fish, but I also learned enough to where I can go out now and apply that same technique or that same knowledge to my everyday fishing, whether or not they're from here or from back home or whatever. Um, and, and and there's just a lot to be said for that because I, I think that all too often it's 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 too easy to just get somebody on a boat, uh, ha- have a client that's on the boat ready to go, whatever. You meet them at the ramp, and then next thing you know, you're you're force feeding them chunk bait, you're force feeding them all this stuff, but there's no substance to it. It's just okay, throw this over there. Cool, great, great job. Yep, you're. added value, that added uh, experience when you're with somebody that, that truly understands intimately their waters. And, you know, it shows, man. You don't stick around for 10 years in that business unless you unless you know what you're doing. So congratulations, man, seriously. And, and also, too, congratulations to Beth. <laughs> because, I mean, talk Without about... Without a doubt. Your, with, with, talk about being your biggest supporter in everything you do. Uh, I love your wife to death, just like family as I do you. And uh, it is it is one of the one of my favorite things throughout the day. If I get on Facebook, is to see a post that Beth posts up, including you in it, because it's just like, man, that right there. That's that's what everybody is, should aspire to have in a relationship is is somebody that's got your back like that. I'm fortunate enough to where I have that with Jess and. And uh, it's a very special, it's a very, very special thing. I mean, look, our wives have allowed us to do this stupid radio program for a number of years together now. My wife has allowed me to do it for eight years. So it's, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of give and take too. And, and, you know, the wives need that, that credit as well, because at the end of the day, if we didn't have the support from them, you know, you, you, you wouldn't be doing what you're doing right now. That's for damn sure. So, yeah, anyway. no, it's, um, it is, uh, it's, it's a group effort and I definitely wouldn't, wouldn't be doing what I'm doing without her and, and, uh, <laughs> she, 
she definitely does put up with this every Tuesday night. But <laughs> yeah, so. one of those things. So, um, anyway, kudos. I'm gonna go back to you though, and I'm gonna ask you about another story or something here a little bit later on. But um, James, yes. So I understand that you are uh, you're you're envisioning warmer climates for your birthday. It's been a little chilly in Atlanta. It might snow again <laughs> next Wednesday. This will be the third snow this winter already. Jeez. So, yeah. Warm <laughs> would be good right now. Well, it was nice you know today. I mean? It was Yeah, it was nice today here. It was, uh, what, upper 70s, nice, nice breeze. It wasn't super hot. I mean, it was just nice. Yeah, you suck. Nice day. Yeah, you suck. Yeah. You suck. <laughs> yeah, it was 51. Yeah. It was 51 or 52 in Atlanta, something like that. Kicking right around 80. Yeah, right around 80 degrees. That's right. Y'all are going to have mosquitoes so, next year, and we're not. So there. Well, we we still have mosquitoes. Our mosquitoes are hardcore, man. The freezers don't kill our mosquitoes. They just It knocks them back a little bit, but... As soon as we get a little rain like had, we did today, they'll be they'll be back. Yeah. If you had a week like we did where the lows were in the twelves and the highs were in the twenty eight, it not it would it would hurt them. You see, there's the problem. It would hurt me, said, not just the mosquitoes. <laughs> yeah, no crap. I wouldn't even leave the house. Call in sick, boss, I'm sorry. I am not leaving. Have you not looked outside? It's apocalyptic. <laughs> it would be if it was that cold well, down there. Yeah, me and my wife were talking about it. Because um, my birthday is February 7th, which is a Wednesday. And I'm like, when it was like last week, at the beginning of the week, when the lows were in the teens and the highs didn't get above freezing, I'm like, we need to go somewhere for my birthday where it's going to be like closer to 80 not 30. So let's think about that. Let's work a plan on that. So, yeah, we're working a plan on that. I think you should should plan on something a little later in the month. So I think. Well, put it like this. If something happens later in the month, it does not preclude something happening in the beginning of the month. Gotcha. They're not mutually exclusive. You know what this I mean? is this is not a this is not a one shot deal. No, no, hell no. Gotcha. Cause it's been hell no. and if it snows again next week, <laughs> I'll be like, maybe this Friday, <laughs> let's just get out a plane and go to Key West, or we can, we can go to Puerto Rico, but it got wiped out, so that's it's off the books. So easy trip is Key West. It's still functional. There you go. No, it's tough from the land of the Key West Friday night, come back Sunday, that kind of deal. Hmm. This is what I'm thinking. Yeah, this is what I'm thinking. That's not really a bad plan. I mean, (laughs) that doesn't suck. No, there's worse things in the world, like being somewhere where it's 12 degrees out. Yeah. I'm thinking that at some point you're going to have to just leave all that crap behind and 
move on down to the Sunshine State. That's what I keep telling my wife before I get too old. And uh, we've got about eight years that we need to stay here mandatorily at the tops. That's at the top end. We got about eight years. And then we'll see after that. Um, because of my wife's work and pensions and retirement and 20 years and stuff like that. So, right. But um, it might not be that long. The um, <laughs> There's some locations in Florida she might be able to transfer to at the last couple of years to ride out those last couple of years before she gets her 20. Um, so I'm going to keep working on her. If we keep having winters like this, I'm not going to have to work on her too much because she doesn't like cold at all. No? No, she's not a fan. She'd rather it be in the 80s than in the 20s. Can't imagine why. I've got a Captain Alex story. Yeah, i got a Captain Alex story. Good. Good. Captain Alex and I were going fishing, and I had gotten, like, I had flown in from Atlanta. I think I'd gotten, like, two hours of sleep the night before. So I was pretty much a walking zombie. So I was like, okay, we're going to meet at the ramp. It was, like, December. I think it was the Renzetti time. So he goes, we're going to meet at the ramp at 6 a.m. He said, we're at 6, and I'm like, a.m. in the winter? December? He goes, yeah. I'm like, oh, that hurts. So the wind was blowing like 25 plus. I'm like, Alex, like, let's take the big boat out. I'm like, okay. You know, the skiff and not the kayaks because it was blowing too hard for the kayaks. 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. in December. And I'm like, we can sleep in because, you know, December, winter, fish sleep in. 6 a.m., okay. <laughs> so I waddle down to the dock, like off two hours of sleep, and I have my coasters hanging on my shirt. And we go wilding down the dock. Alex got the boat all tied up. He's all fired up. And I'm, like, just trying to find my way out of my car, the rental car with that nose planting in the concrete. We go down the dock. Do-do-do-do-do. I lean over. My coasters go flying off my chest into the water. And I'm, like, looking at him going, damn, those are expensive. <laughs> Alex, I'm not, and I'm, I'm thinking, you know, his first light, I ain't sticking my hand in that water. I can't see in that water. The sun's not up. There could be a little, you know, a little baby gator down there looking for bait or something down there to take a nip out of your hand. I'm like, them coasters ain't worth my thumb. Alex is sitting there. He jumps out down, sticks his hand, you know, up to the shoulder. Got him. I'm like, Alex, you could have let those go. He goes, oh, it's fine. I said, there could have been something in the water looking for bait falling out of the boat. He goes, oh, no, it's fine. <laughs> do it all the time. You know, Alex, I do this all the time. You know, mm-hmm. don't try this at don't try this at home, kids. I'm like, well, I appreciate you saving my expensive coasters that I was going to leave on the bottom of the river and go fishing with you. So that was my favorite Alex story. I'm like, you're a mad man. <laughs> I got, I got, know, right, I got one. Go ahead. Y'all know stuff hangs around docks. Y'all know that. Oh yeah. You know. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. I got a good, I got a good, sun, I got a good sun, sunglass and dock one real quick. We pulled into yeah. Port St. John one afternoon in the summer, and anybody who's pulled into Port St. John boat ramp in the summer in the afternoon knows what I'm talking about. It was like a solid little rolly wave coming in there. That port, that Port St. John ramp is horrible on the afternoon summer wind. Terrible. 
It'll sink a boat. I've yep. seen it flat sink several Ginus. Sink them and the John boat. Right to the bottom, right there in the yep. ramp. Engine underwater, the whole thing. But uh, we pull up, and it was a little sketchy, and and uh, uh, I got us tied off on the back, and I jumped up to the front to tie off on the front. And my client, or actually, no, they were my glasses. I thought it was my client. My glasses ended up getting blown off my – I had them on my hat for some reason and blow off, and there they go on the water. <laughs> And uh, I sat there at that poor St. John ramp getting just walloped by by chop in, in the chest and literally chest-deep water in the poor St. John muck ramp walking around and finally, finally found my sunglasses. It was it was horrid. That was the worst one ever. That was bad. <laughs> that was worse than the hang, hung cast net having to dive down and pull one of them off the rocks. It was bad. <laughs> All right. But, I got I got I got a good one. <clears throat> so typically I don't I don't there's nothing really in the river that typically worries me too much um except for two areas the south end of the Mosquito Lagoon and the north end of the of the no motor zone <clears throat> So the south end of the Mosquito Lagoon is notorious for giant alligators and when I say giant alligators if you've never come across a real big alligator, then you have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about an 8-footer. I'm not talking about a 9-footer that people say is 12. I'm talking about a legitimate 12 to 13-foot-long lizard, like a monster. When you go when, that when alligator your... could probably eat a car. <laughs> not a person, <laughs> a car. <laughs> That's a big game. Exactly. Exactly. And so uh, we, I got a friend of mine who's a local trapper. And when the local trapper says he won't go mess with these gators because there's something wrong with them, <laughs> they spent too much time in the salt and, and their eyesight's not as good or their senses aren't as good. And they try to attack literally everything and want to kill everything. Um, yeah, you, you, tend to, you tend to heed the warning and give them proper space. Well, there's this one day where Alex and I are out looking for black drum. We were on the black drum on fly mission and we're on a bar located somewhere in and around the space coast area. <laughs> and, uh, we're walking along our kayaks are behind us. We, we, we anchored them off and we, we went walking trying to sneak up on this school of fish. And I look over and there's a solid, a legit solid like ten foot gator, eyeballing us, eyeballing us hard, like a little a little bit more than normal. And most of you guys would could, who are live down here or live in areas that are prone to gators know that most gators will come up, they'll kind of take a look at you from a distance, maybe shadow you, but stay a distance. This guy wasn't staying a distance. This guy was looking. <laughs> this guy was considering whether or not. He could take down either the fat one or the tall, skinny one. So it was like, which one am I going to choose? I had a feeling Alex is for sure going to outrun me. So I try to play this a little bit as uh, as um, defensive as I could. My movements were all defensive-minded. I said, all right, well, if I stay 
further away from it than Alex, maybe he'll go to the quickest target. Not not that I want Alex to get eaten, but he's faster than me. Chances are he'll get away. <laughs> I look over, I go, Alex. I look over, I go, Alex, what do you think? He's like, what? And I go, that gator. He's like, that gator don't want nothing to do with us. Meanwhile, the gator's swimming towards me. It's not like <laughs> creeping towards me. He's pushing water. He's moving. He's But he's definitely coming. Mind you, I'm probably a good 150 to 200 yards away from the kayak. I'm not going to beat this alligator to the kayak. It's not going to happen. (laughs) I already know my speed in the water. I'm as good as dead if this thing decides he wants to come at me. Alex is like, nah, it's fine. Let's just keep going. I'm like, all right, whatever. We keep tromping through through the grass the whole time seems to not care at all. I have a feeling, I have a feeling in the back of my mind at this moment that this gator is definitely coming for me. And it's the time where you decide fight or flight. Do I stand my ground or do I walk back towards the kayak? And I'll I'll admit, I pushed out. (coughs) I turned around (laughs) and I started walking back towards the kayak swiftly. Uh, making my way to the shallower side of the bar as fast as I could so that at least in my mind I could see him coming, you know, if he come to eat me. And I remember walking past Alex. Like, I walked by him, and he said, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm going back to the kayak. I ain't messing with that gator. Alex just stood his ground, standing there casting, looking around for these black drum, and the whole time I'm thinking, you're gator food, man, you're gator food. It's just, again, it's one of those things. It takes a special person to know their surroundings and to be comfortable enough in their surroundings to not flee when there's intimate danger of an alligator approaching, possibly wanting to tear off a limb. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of a funny story because, you know, the fight or flight thing, I, I chickened out and I was, I, I dipped, I was like, Mm-mm, no, I'm good. And then the whole time, dude, you just stood your ground like a, like a boss. And I was like, no, better, better for you, man, whatever, I'm out. Uh, that was that was that was one of those moments. I I still tell that story to the to this day because it was it was one of those gators that was you're you're not acting quite right. You're a little sketchy. Like something, yeah. You, you may be interested in more than just a, a peek. Anyway, uh, I've got a good. I've good got a, I got another good no motor zone gator one. That's what's gonna happen is you guys I got another one that I've gotta to tell too. So I've got two. I got one on the back burners. It's my Jose Wahedo yeah. moment. I wish Tammy I wish Tammy Wilson I wish Tammy Wilson was here to uh to attest to my Jose Wahebi moment. But um but the no motor zone gator, uh Ryan Vestich, which you know who I'm talking about. Uh yep. Chuck, he's a he's a local kid, he's a really good kid. Um years ago, he's fished with me several times. And um, years as dad's booked several charters for him with me uh, for getting good grades. He's a really, really great kid. And uh, yet another one that's really kind of uh, a lot like I was when I was his age, you know, just fully kind of into it. Not, not oh, this is something I like to do. It's what he does. He goes fishing. And he understands what's going on. But uh, still young and still, still a little bit hot under the collar, but he's a good kid. We were uh, – we decided his dad, uh, he, I think it was, um, I forget what he had done or something. He did something really good, and uh, his dad booked, uh, he wanted to do a full day in the no motors up. 
full blown, all out. Um, we were looking to get a bunch of different species. He's big in the the FSFA, and they do the points fishing uh, for different tackle and stuff like that. So he had all his rods ready uh, with the different light tackle and plug and blah blah blah, the whole nine yards. They go by IGFA kind of rules. Um, Chuck knows what I'm talking about. It's it's a mm-hmm. and um, it's actually a really neat way to get uh, one get involved with the area and meet other fishermen, local fishing clubs like that. But uh, the FSFA, Florida Sport Fishing Association in particular, um, does something that's kind of akin to what the IGFA does with their records. and uh, But they have like a points thing where you get points for certain types of fish and certain uh, tackle types of tackle. kind of teaches you and pushes you to be um, a little bit more advanced in your angling. Um, actually, Troy Perez and and uh, – and, and his wife basically uh, ended up crushing IGFA records for fish around here. Redfish on fly on this one. Triple tackle, tail, like, holy crap. Triple tail, cobia. I mean, they just smashed them. And it was uh, the red wines ended up, uh, another uh, good friend of ours, a couple. They ended up with some uh, uh, IGFA records. There was a bunch of them floating around Canaveral there for quite a while. Uh, and it was all really, really light. And it was all brought on by the FSFA uh, doing that stuff. So we were looking to get a lot of different types of fish, different types of tackle. Um, and we were pushing uh, north down the western shoreline. It was still early in the morning. Um, and we were we ended up through the, throughout the entire day. We literally, I don't think there was a part of the no motor zone we didn't hit. I mean, we literally hit every, everything you could think of. Bring up a Google, Google map and go, there might be a fish in that corner or that edge of that island or that edge of that bar in the no motor zone. And we went there. <laughs> we went everywhere. And uh, it was early. We were pushing down the uh, the west shoreline of the NMZ, um, way up. We were up past the, the radar ball, the golf ball, um, right around where the little false little bay kind of hook thing is. Um, it's You know, it's, we're probably a good three miles up by then pretty much push pulling the whole time. And uh, when I do the kayak charters, even at that time, I think we were, well, I don't even think we were in Hobie's. That was before I had switched over to Hobie's. You're but, in Malibu's. And, and, yeah. At that time I was in Malibu's, but regardless the entire time I've done, actually, you know what? I think I was in Hobie's because, um, yeah, cause I don't, I don't, I, we would have probably, I would have died if we tried to, <laughs> to do what we did in, in the Malibu's. I definitely remember doing it in the Malibus because I certainly remember doing, uh, doing Chuck Olusky in the Malibu, but, uh, uh, or the 10,000, yeah, 10,000 Islands, Chuck Olusky mm-hmm. in the Malibu. But I remember every mile of that day or both those days, really, honestly. But, uh, mm-hmm. um, what I tend to do with my clients, if I have multiple ones, we just kind of rotate out. Um, but what we do is we actually put the kayak side by side and just about every kayak has a side bungee to hold the, the paddle on the side of the kayak. Um, and if you go bungee to bungee, basically, or bungee clip to bungee clip, uh, you can kind of hold the two kayaks together and almost raft them together. Uh, it works really good for me to be able to stand up, push pole, sight fish, and point out fish to a client sitting right next to me. Um, and with people that can, they stand right next to me, and it's even better. I can stand right next to you and sight fish in a kayak. It's pretty awesome. Um, it's worked out really well guiding over the years. It's actually one of one of those tricks I think that guiding that really kind of helps make my uh, 
my uh, kayak one's a little bit more successful. But anyways, we were cruising along, and I had seen a gator in the distance. It wasn't a monster. It was maybe eight to nine foot. It was a good good size gator. He wasn't huge, but it was, you know, it was a good size gator. And mind you, the no motor zone, especially that western shore, um, right after it became the no motor zone in 94, uh, my dad worked at the Cape my whole entire life, so my grandfather, and I ended up out there. Um, but uh, what he would do is on his way to work, we lived on Pine Island Road, but he'd backtrack basically, and he'd take us to Cars Park and drop us in in the morning on his way to work in the summer and then come and pick us up at 4 o'clock and 4.30 in the afternoon when he'd get off of work. So many times I had walked that bank, and this bank has got some really big alligators. You know, they don't really impress me much out there, um, as long as you just kind of keep an eye on them and you know what to look for. But, um, well, I'd seen this gator, you know, a good couple hundred yards up, and I'd been watching it. It's just sitting there doing its gatory thing. Didn't pay it much attention, and as we got closer, it hit, it, it went down which they do a lot of times as you're going towards them. Sometimes they go down and move, and they'll pop up somewhere else. Sometimes they pop up right there. Sometimes they'll stay down for a really long time. Sometimes they'll only stay down for a minute or two. So we're cruising along, and I had kind of almost forgot about the gator, um, but I still knew there was, you know, obviously a gator there, uh, and there's gators around. But it wasn't in my mind at that point in time. We're searching for fish, standing up side by side, uh, me and Ryan in the kayaks, and we're pushing. I'm pushing along, and he's got his fishing pole ready to make the cast, uh, and I'm push-pulling us. And just that a natural, I don't know what. I've always done it. I don't know if everybody does it. I don't know if it's just me. But I think it's because every time the bottom consistently, uh, consistency, consistency changes, I keep it in my mind uh, so I know where hard bottom spots are, even if the water's dirty. Um, and there's a lot of places that have hard bottom that you wouldn't know unless you actually hit it and touch it. But just out of the way my brain works, I guess, like I said, I don't know if everybody does this. I typically, if I hit something with my push pole, uh, that's hard, give it a couple taps. I'm always like, you know, unless I'm like right on fish, I'm trying to be as quiet as possible. You know, I'm always kind of tap, tap, tap. Okay. Is that just a shell or, okay, wow, that's, that's a, a rock or that is multiple rocks. It's hard bottom. Well, I had just kind of in my brain kind of forgot about old Mr. Alligator that was sitting in a foot and a half of water that had gone down 100 yards ahead of us. And I felt something hard under my push pole, and I whack, 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 whack. Well, when I looked down at what I was hitting, because there is no hard bottom in the, in the, in the no-motor zone, particularly in that area, but pretty much anywhere, I don't think there's any hard bottom. Um, it's not dredge-fill rocks in the Spoil Island. Um there's that gator's face was looking right at me, and I was smashing it right in the head with my push pole. Bump, bump, bump. And uh, it obviously freaked out. Luckily, it went under the kayaks and not over them because there was not much water. Um, and about threw me out. Ryan ended up on on in the seat going, oh, my goodness, what just happened? Because he had no clue. It happened so fast, I didn't have a chance to say, oh, by the way, there's a gator about to charge us. You know, it was the length of my push pole. It was only six foot away or so. Um, but that was a pretty pretty funny one. Don't go tapping gators in the face with a push pole. It's not good for your health and well-being, especially when you're in a kayak. <coughs> that was a fun one. Yeah. Yeah. My Jose uh, Heavy moment was awesome. That was probably awesome. one of my 
one of my most heroic charter moments that didn't involve, oh, you're hurt or, you know, oh, look at these seas. I just got us through it or something like that. You know, it was probably one of my, my most heroic, certainly my most heroic save a piece of equipment moment um, by any stretch of the imagination. And I've dug up fishing poles that have been lost with lures and searched for them long enough. I've had, I, I had a kid, a young gentleman and his father, uh, somehow we were at, going into the no motor zone in the kayaks and, uh, with the kayaks, I keep all the rods on my kayak on my, in my, my back. I mean, typically only just give the client the rod that they need at that time, whether it's a live bait, if we're chunk, if we're, we've got cut baits out on a drop off or if we're, if we're staying still live baiting, obviously we can raft up and we usually have a couple rods out, not just one, but if we're throwing lures, I don't have four or five rods on somebody's uh, kayak because tips can get broken and stuff gets tangled. But this young man, I put him in his kayak at the edge of the water in the no motor zone, gave him a fishing pole because we were going right out front. There was a bunch of little trout right out front. We were going to to to, uh, to throw slayers at him. Put him in, put him in, push him out, turn around, put his dad in, give him his with the the rod in his his push him out, turn around, and look at the boy that was only 10 feet out from me, and the rod was gone. And I'm like, <laughs> I looked at my boat, like literally one of those moments, like, and look back, I searched for that rod. I was actually camping. We were in the camper out at the cars at the time. I searched for that rod for an hour or 45 minutes before we left because I couldn't, they couldn't believe that he had only gone right there, and we could not find the rod. It was a little bit dirtier, but but it was hilarious. Um, and then I found ones. Um, lost rods are pretty classic, and it happens. It happens on the boat, but it happens on the kayak a lot more often, obviously. Um, and the my my most probably heroic uh, found rod or ca- captured in the in the process of losing rod uh, would have to be we did when we did the. Um, back before I pulled the T-Craft apart and refurbished it or started refurbishing it, uh, we did the snapper trips for the snapper season uh, mothership with the kayaks. Uh, obviously, it was a great time. We had super uh, successful trips. Um, Tammy Wilson went, and I don't think she even wanted to jump in a kayak, uh, but uh, she just wanted to hop on the boat for the ride, take some pictures, cruise around, and uh, do some fishing, um, get out there and get herself some snappers. Uh, and then I had two other gentlemen that wanted to go because we, we only ended up bringing two kayaks that day. Uh, two other gentlemen that wanted to go and do it, uh, we got them ready. One of the guys uh, is uh, – uh, I've known him for a little while, mostly through Facebook – um, but he's friends with a couple of captains in the port, and uh, he had actually already fished the season out of the boat and got one, but wanted to try it out of the kayak, and had his all his own gear, jumped on the boat with all his own gear, uh, which is you know not a necessity in a charter. It shouldn't be. You should have the you know the guide or the captain you know obviously takes care of that stuff for you. But he had all his own stuff. Mm-hmm. It was you know legitimate, rigged up right. He was ready to go. He fishes them, so. I was like, cool. He had a, a, you know, bottom rod for doing the snapper, and then he had a cobia rod already rigged up with a jig, ready to rock and roll, um, uh, with him too. 
so cool. We throw it on. He even brought a little, uh, a little, uh, like a little Plano box with a couple of rigs, kind of pre-made with weight, a couple different types of weight, and a little knife in it, so that he could change a rig or re-rig right there on the kayak and not have to worry about swapping rods or anything like that. Because what we did was we'd just swap you out if your rod got hung and broke off or whatever happened, uh, swap you out with a fresh rod. So we get out to the reef, and it was a beautiful day, nice and flat. I mean, just picture perfect. We get out to the, the section of reef that we, we were fishing, and the way we did it is we come over the mark uh, that I was looking for on my death finder, Okay, there's a whole bunch of fish here. It looks like a Christmas tree <laughs> of snapper and bait. So, all right, this is the spot. We throw a buoy over. Okay, that's the mark. And just kind of float. Uh, I was even doing it to where I'd put a couple buoys out, so you had a couple of different marks that you could go uh, drop next to or around. Uh, and that was so people could have a visual reference of where they needed to be dropping in the middle of this ocean. Uh, worked out really spectacular. So we pull over this mark, and it is just, like I said, a Christmas tree of just fish. I'm surprised they didn't just swim up to the boat and go, hey, how's it going, guys? Because it was insane. And uh, they're both amping, ready to go. We get the kayaks in the water. Um, By the time we get the guy with his own gear first, get him in the kayak, and he wants both of his rods. He wants his cobia rod with him in case a cobia swims up. He can, you know, quick and not have to worry about trying to get it from us to throw it at a cobia, which is smart. I understand. I understand where he's coming from. I didn't recommend it. <laughs> Nobody else had two rods on the on the kayak, I can guarantee you. I just didn't really recommend it. And um, these were Hobie Outbacks. It's a stable kayak, but it's still a kayak, just like any kayak. You have to keep your center of gravity over the center of the boat. It's the way it works. If it doesn't, you're probably going to put the thing over um, unless you're in a really, really big kayak, like a pro angler or something like that. So we, uh, we get him in, and, uh, and we get him in the water uh, first with all his gear, get the other guy in the water who was a little – he wasn't quite as amped. He was a little bit more trepidatious about it. Like, I'm not really sure about all this. Um, I don't think he'd ever snapper fish before, red snapper fish before. And I get him in the water, and by the time we get him in the water – the other guy's already on spot. He's next to the buoy, and he's firing the bait down. And by the time it – I don't even think it hit the bottom. By the time he engaged the reel, came tight, boom, he was just doubled over on a big, giant snapper. You can see the rod just moth. It wasn't no, you know, oh, here's your, here's your eight-pound, you know, ARS. It was one of those 25-pound Cadillacs just moth, railed him right away. Straight down, wah, wah, wah. He didn't have his drag pin quite enough, and wah, 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 bam, breaks him off. <laughs> He's freaking out. Uh, by this time, the other guy's like, oh, my gosh, i got to get in on this action. So he's hauling mud over there. This guy's re-rigging, and what we did was we left him with a couple baits in a, live, in a, in a five-gallon bucket. Uh, just a little bit of fresh water, a couple baits. They're not going to stay. They'll stay alive for as long as you're going to be in the, in the water or until we can get you a couple more if you need them because you used them. And uh, usually they don't last long on the reef. A bait on the reef out here, anywhere in between probably 65 foot and 150 foot, a bait goes down, a red snapper comes up. It's just the way it is right now, and it's the way it's been for years. But, uh, so the other guy gets over there, and this guy, the, the guy who, just, who had all his own gear and had his own cobia rod with him, 
just re-rigged, and he's, you know, he's fiddling with his stuff, getting his knots tied. Uh, other guy pulls up to the buoy, which he's floating right next to, because like I said, it was like a lake out there. They, we didn't move. And um, I was only maybe, I was floating, uh, you know, we were maybe floating, uh, you know, maybe a couple 50, 75 feet away, giving him a little bit of space. So he's re-rigging, other guy drops down, and instantly, boom, it hits the, hits the bottom. He comes tight, um, he fights his fish. Uh, we get over next to him to help him land his fish, taking pictures and stuff. Nice, beautiful, probably 15-pound fish. And uh, it ended up meeting the ice that day. Uh, it was a good fish. And uh, the other guy is still tying. He's amped out. He's freaking out. So we're kind of all right there around this buoy, um, real close to each other. And uh, he finally gets himself uh, resituated, re-rigged. And, you know, this guy just landed his snapper. We're all kind of on the side of the boat. He's still floating right next to the boat. We're getting him set back up um, right next to the buoy. Other guy fires down a bait. I'm looking at him because I know exactly what's going to happen. He's going to fire down a bait, and instantly he's going to hook up. So I wonder what he's going to get because I love seeing that that rod bend and somebody come tight. It's just awesome to see, and uh, I get to see it a lot. And it's it's one of my favorite parts of it. And uh, he literally <laughs> drops it down, comes, uh, engages the reel, comes tight instantly as hard as he can because he was just crawling out of his skin amped, sets the hook like he was Jimmy Houston on the front of a bass boat in Okeechobee, whipping that thing out of the lily pads from hook set to, to not even fighting and sliding in the boat. I mean, he put everything he had into it, man. And he sets the hook and sets the hook right, right, basically out the other side of the kayak. Flipped himself completely over by setting the hook. The first time I'd seen a full hook set flip over. (laughs) 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 It's comical now, but I was like, oh, shit. Because when a hobie flips over, and I've seen it multiple times now. Remember remember I was telling you guys about Captain Flippy Pants that was in, in the kayak off the beach. And he could not keep that thing upright or stay in it to save him his life. Um, <laughs> seeing a Hobie go upside down, it's obviously it sucks. It's scary, blah, 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 whatever, yikety schmackety. But it is one of the most comical things you've ever seen because this thing's sitting turtled upside down in these little flapper fins. And it's like <laughs> up there in the air going, what the hell happened? <laughs> so... He flips this thing flat dead over. Mind you, still hooked to the fish. Then he decided to set the hook like he was Jamie Houston on. Um, and that line's over the kayak. It's, it's, a, it's a complete crap show. Instantly, and this is where uh, I wish Tammy Wilson was here to call in because and, and, she was the one that, that dubbed it a Jose Wahebi moment because I don't use that term lightly. He's one of my serious idols. I know you know that, Chuck. And, uh, yep. But uh, – that thing flips over before the guy's head even pops out of the water. I pull my glasses in my hat and jump in and swim down. I had to clear my ears twice, so I probably hit 45 foot and kept swimming and kept swimming. Now, mind you, we're in a boat floating probably 50 foot from the guy, maybe a little more, maybe a little less, not sure. I swim, and I swim down, no breath, straight off the side of the boat, took my breath and went 
And sure enough, I see something black on my way down. I reached out and grabbed it, and I popped up with the dude's Kobe Arati and insisted on taking with him. And that right there was insanity. 45 foot, in the middle of the ocean, 100 and some odd foot deep, and, and I ended up retrieving the rod that was sinking <laughs> because he had to have it behind him when he, when he flipped over. Obviously, it was the first thing, you know, that and his gear was gone because uh, everything sinks, obviously. But um, he did the right thing. This is that wasn't even the crazy funny. Well, that's, that was the crazy part. The fact that I was able to grab that rod and pop up next to that kayak with that rod was insanity. But the funny part, and it makes it an epic story, is that I pop up next to it, and the first thing I told everybody I, when we when we got serious about this is what you do. We're fighting a real fish here. It's straight up and down warfare. It's not. Here, let me cast this thing to a little redfish, and he's going to zip offline away from me. This is straight up and down. You need to turn the handle, or you're going to get your reel's going to get dumped. You're going to get broke off. Okay, I said the, one of the first things I said was, if you end up out of the boat with this rod in your hand, and that fish is going, I'd rather you not let rod let go of the rod for multiple reasons. One, I want to see what's on the end of it. But two, uh, you know, I, I like my rods. Um, said, if you can, free spool it. Keep your finger on it and just let the fish swim away. With your stuff, just let him swim. If he rocks up, he rocks up, whatever. We'll come tight, whatever. Well, this guy remembered it. Or he, you know, he was already naturally kind of angling inclined enough uh, to remember uh, that obviously he doesn't want his rod. It was his rod, too. He's going to obviously hold on to it. Uh, and... If, if you're hooked to a good snapper and that thing's going to the wreck or to the uh, rock and you're attached to the end of the line and you're going down with it, it's going down until you let go of the rod or you flip the bale and open it up and let it free spool. And uh, he did that, and he's in, in the water with me next to him with his cobia rod in my hand, and the boat's flipped over. The flappers are flapping in the air like they looks like a bird that's stuck on the surface. And... <laughs> the boat, you know, uh, my my mate at the time, Jeremy, uh, had already gotten the boat and was already right next to us, uh, spun the boat around, brought it right next to us. And uh, the guy flipped the bale and he had his, or flipped the, uh, flipped the reel into free spool. He had his rod right there free spooling. And, uh, and sure enough, we get him on the boat. I'm still in the water uh, trying to flip the, the flippity flappers back over to the right side of the world and get them back. It was like, it's, it's like, it reminds me of the, the, uh, what is it? The, uh, the Captain Jack Sparrow movie, uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean. Caribbean. Yeah. Where you remember when they get flipped upside down and they're on the underside and then they got to flip themselves. They got to go back and forth and flip themselves back over. It reminds me yeah. of that always for some reason. It's it's just those things flapping in the air is the funniest <laughs> thing in the world. <laughs> but uh, so I'm flipping this thing over. We get him back in the boat, and he's reeling up his fish like a madman now. And his fish pops up right next to the boat, and it's a total of about a three-and-a-half-foot sand shark. <laughs> you know, it was just a little a little baby, baby sand shark. And I was at that point in time crying, laughing. Um <laughs> Because he was so, he literally was so amped. I, I kind of felt bad, but it was hilarious. He was laughing too. He was stoked that I got his rod back. Uh, the rod, the reel was shot. I actually got a hold of him. The reel was cooked. 
after hitting the ocean like that and sinking, uh, bubbling all of the, the water out or all the air out and filling it up with seawater, it was done. But he loved the rod, so he was stoked about that. But uh, he was so amped and just so over overexcited to get that bait back down there because he got smoked on the first drop, and he knew there was a big fish down there for him. That uh, Man, he just literally, like, Jimmy Houston, straight on the bow of the bass boat, dude, just wham, straight over, flipped the thing like a turn turtle. It was the funniest thing. It was a pretty good one, Chuck. <laughs> it was an it, it was a, one of the epic moments. I will tell you that I remember that story told by Tammy Wilson. And when Tammy tells the story, you were Jack Sparrow. Like you you are Jose, you are Jack Sparrow. You are the water person. Like you are Aquaman in in the sense of <laughs> There's no reason why that rod ever made it back to the boat. Like it should not have happened. But yeah, she told me that story a few times. It's that's pretty epic, man. That's something that and see that's what I'm saying. That's something that will not only stick with you, but that's something that will stick with that that client, actually the whole boat full of clients and Jeremy included, um forever. Because that's just that's craziness, man. That's just that doesn't even make sense. Yeah, no. That's uh that was one of my uh, that was one of my gleaming moments. That was a pretty good one. That one in the uh, that was that was a good series of trips, man. We had a really good time doing that. I found a pattern that I had never known about for kingfish, which was the brown uh, the uh, the uh, brown pogies, um, which I would have never million years have found that pattern if it wasn't for those trips. It was pretty funny. Some of the biggest kingfish I've ever seen in my entire life look like a telephone pole, big around uh, on the old brown pogie. Hmm. The old black, the black sea bass. <laughs> well, everybody's got to get uh, get their thinking caps on and try and prepare themselves for uh, booking some trips with you as soon as that boat's done, man. Because mother shipping out of Fort Canaveral is something special. Um, are reef fishing here, even though you can't keep uh, the red snapper. The uh, but the reef fishing as a whole is just phenomenal. When the cobias show up, that could be insane. Triple tail, of course, and uh, our pelagics as well, which uh, I'm really excited to to see how yeah, it all awesome. transpires, cool. man. I'm, I know it's going to be great. Yeah, dolphin run, kidding me? Post up on a freaking rip. Oh my god, forget it. Forget yeah. it. With a boat dishing out filters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Live, you know, live coming. There you go. Exactly. You know. Exactly. You want to catch dolphin on light yeah. tackle? Here's your opportunity. <laughs> yep. Cool. But uh, cool stuff. No, nah, it's um, that's one thing that I don't know if a lot of people know, and Chuck, you do. It's it's uh, it's something that you know you. A lot of people probably know me as you know Captain Alex kayak. You know skiff guide you know fishing in the river and lagoon and and uh i'm obviously you know kind of a wealth of knowledge about the lagoon and its you know situations and its ecology but uh but there's something a little different about um about uh when i go offshore it's some my entire life i've offshore fished 
and I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's uh, because it was a real family-orientated thing for me. The boat that I'm rebuilding, we've owned since 1986. When I went offshore, it was offshore of my dad, my grandpa, my dad's buddies, my friends, stuff like that. Uh, so it was always a really, really fun, exciting time for me. Um, and just like I study the fish in here in the lagoon, I pay attention to what those things are doing too and uh, understand kind of the ebbs and flows of, of the ocean around Canaveral and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's something my wife always laughs. You know, when I go fishing in the lagoon, Obviously, I'm you know I'm excited. I'm amped up. I'm getting my gear ready the night before, whether it's for a charter or just me going out to go fishing, taking taking the boy fishing or whatever it might be, or or us me and me and Beth going out or something. Uh, but you know I'm you know I'm excited and I'm getting my stuff together. And you know it takes me a little bit of time to get everything you know sharpened up and tied up and ready to go and uh, and typically get everything ready the night before. Uh, but when I'm going offshore fishing. It doesn't matter if I'm going like seven days in a row. <laughs> I mean, it is like I'm on edge. I have blinders on. I become a different person. Something about being offshore, man, that I just I thoroughly enjoy. And I can't wait. 2018 is the, the year that I kind of get, get cut loose again offshore because since the, the feet crashing down, we haven't, I haven't been, been able to fish offshore all that much, unfortunately. Yeah. So. I know what you're saying, man. I I feel the same way. Um, there's there's just something about being offshore that draws me. And uh, when I used to have my boat, I had a 27 foot Stamus. Um, mm-hmm. When I had when I had that thing, dude, it was just uh, oh god. I remember. I can't even tell you how many times, but I remember so many trips, or right before trips, the night before a trip. Staying up till midnight, one, two o'clock in the morning, rigging ballyhoo and uh, going over everything, going over the rods and reels, and making sure everything is good, making sure all the rollers are rolling the way they're supposed to, or the or the guides aren't chipped or nothing, making sure all my leaders are legit, tying bally tying ballyhoo rigs with wire in the garage, sipping on a beer, just oh gosh. There's something about it. There really is. There's just something. There's something very. I don't know. I don't want to use the word primal, but there's just, it's it's more, you know what it is for me? I think it's more of a hunt than, than the river has become. You know what I mean? After a while, the river beca- kind of becomes, you know, it's the river. We know that if we go work a shoreline somewhere, we're going to run into a redfish. Um, it's the unknown of going offshore, dragging some baits or going offshore and jigging and not knowing what's about to crush that bait behind the boat. You know, it could be a marlin. It could be a tuna. It could be literally anything. It could be a massive fish. It could be a tiny little fish. You could hook a barracuda on a downrigger. That's so small. It doesn't pop the downrigger. And next thing you know, you reel up a dead barracuda that you've been dragging for 15 minutes. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? It's just, there's something just really, really neat about it. And I'm really (laughs) excited to see, um, everything come together with the tea craft because I know for a fact, man, you're going to, you're going to create so many more memories for people that are going to go, uh, mother shipping with it. And I think that it's just, it's such a cool, such a cool opportunity. And I'm, I'm happy for you, man. It's, it's cool. To, it's cool to see it and all the hard work. I know how much work you've put into it. And, uh, we've talked, you know, probably hours worth of conversations about it. 
it's uh there's something even more special to it because because of where the boat came from it's not just it's not just Alex's refurbing a boat as you said it's the boat you grew up fishing on and it was your grandpa's boat and to take the time and not just the time but also of course the uh the money uh into refurbing it for a purpose a specific purpose which is exactly what you're doing is is really really cool man it's it's been fun to watch but i'm 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 eager i'm i know i'm not as eager as you are but i'm very eager to see you get it done and um you know see what comes out of it it's going to be really really cool very rewarding that's for sure yeah it's and it's it's a nice it's a refreshing thing to to you know be coming into into 10 years and and uh and getting you know getting the boat rolling and kind of you know expanding i guess is a way to say it even though i'm not really expanding it's still just me <laughs> Um, but, uh, no, it's neat. It's, it's any, any time you, you start a business in, uh, with a, with a family and, you know, it's, it's always a risk and a gamble and it's always, it's always going to be work. So it's fun. But what do you think, Chuck? You want to, uh, give out the phone number and we'll get a yeah. caller on there and give away a yeah, let's type do that. Um, by the way, Bob Bell says he is so looking forward to mothership trips. Bob took the ride with us. We be <laughs> Oh Oh no, that wasn't Bob Bell. Yep, that's right. That was Mike Green. Oh Mike. Oh my goodness. That was the funniest thing ever. We did we took the ride out there and Chuck, you know what it's like when you get those fronts or the not the fronts, but the afternoon thunderstorms that come off off the land. Yeah, oh, yeah. right out there on the Cape, man, and I don't think a lot of people yeah, put a lot yeah. of, that's what put those poor kids in the water that got lost down in South Florida, um, one of those afternoon thunderstorms coming off the beach, and, man, Mike Green, he he looked at me, I, I saw the, I saw, I, it wasn't quite the same look in his eyes that, uh, that, uh, that Flores had, that Chris Flores had <laughs> when we went to go the mothership. <laughs> where Chris Flores looked at me and I thought for sure dude his eyes were literally just gonna like pop out of his head and he was I, I honestly thought that he might try to jump out and swim back and we were like 15 miles offshore by then I thought Flores was gonna jump <laughs> he was I in forgot that. He was, all I about the, that man I saw the fight or flight in his eyes man I saw it <laughs> but uh but but poor mike green man he's a good guy and he's he's an older gentleman uh that's uh actually he's already retired bob hasn't retired yet he's still got a little while to go but um he uh we did the mothership stuff and uh i think he actually he didn't even want to jump into kayak either he just wanted to go fish um snappers and man we came we were we were leaving from way up north up where I was at fishing up on Benson and uh which is basically up by the launch pads of the shuttle. It's way north. I mean you're talking it's only a few it's only six miles offshore. But seven yeah, miles. Yeah, but it's offshore. a good fifteen it's, what, fifteen, eighteen mile it's run? It's twenty mile run, twenty two mile run actually. To the very south yeah. end. Um right, and you right. get up towards the north end, you're looking at twenty five miles 
of running to get back to Fort Canaveral. It's a good ways up there. I mean, you're up there. But uh, we came, and we were probably about halfway in between the tip of the Cape, and we pushed it a little bit that day, probably a little longer than we should have. Um, The fishing was good, though. We were having a good time. And uh, we were running back, man, and I saw it start to form, and I'm like, man, this is going to suck. It's really going to suck. This is going to suck. And uh, sure enough, man, that thing came in, and the way it works is you usually get a real hard, heavy southeasterly blowing into it sucking into the storm and then the storm passes and with the storm or actually right right as the storm hits you it switches out of the west at like 40 miles an hour and drops 25 degrees it's the craziest thing to actually be in in that scenario when you're out in the open in the ocean and you get to kind of see when you're in a house or uh driving in your car and a front hits or a, a or you drive up to a thunderstorm i meant uh you don't really get that effect but when you're out out in the middle of the ocean you get all the effect in the world <laughs> and we got all the effect in the world but uh, we um hmm. man we had made it we were just shy of the tip of the cape and that thing came down on us and it was so black and so ugly oh my goodness and uh the old t-craft man put it right and bow into it with all the kayaks on the front and pushed our way through a pretty heavy heavy chop that it picked up in our faces and then got our we got so drenched it was probably, I'll tell you what, grills, we were uh, we were launching from Cars Park for those trips because I just left the boat in the water uh, for the whole time of the the um, of the snapper season. And uh, the the most, I, I could not believe the sight of grills, to see grills and go, oh, my goodness, it's grills, and pull up and get out of that boat for a couple minutes and get underneath the, the tiki hut and get a beverage that was alcoholic to uh to warm us up was probably the best thing in the world i think we all did a shot of whiskey to warm ourselves up it was it was an interesting situation but what do you think chuck give him that phone number yeah man all right folks here's your opportunity to win a charter with captain alex Give us a call at 714-816-4727, And uh, you Give it a minute. In the runnings to win, what's that? Give it a minute for that little call board to light up a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, we're just going to do a, a little, uh, a little, Half day kayak trip on the on the old lagoons or in Port Canaveral. If you go, if you want to go soon in Port Canaveral, we'll go put a bunch of these uh, fiddle or uh, sand fleas I caught to work on sheep's heads. Um, yeah, just a little half day kayak trip for somebody to go have some fun. We got some callers. James, what are you doing over there? James has been quiet. Yeah, he has. Listening, taking it all in. And enjoying the the stories of fight and flight and and uh, caught rod Lizards. rod caught in the deep Lizards, <laughs> Lizards. kayaks upside down sharks all that good stuff. <laughs> uh, what what, what number caller you, you want to call on? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, how about what we'll number caller do you want? How about we'll do a lucky number? We got ten in there. It is kind of late in the show. Yeah, well, I wasn't hold on. Jess yeah. is trying to. I'm sorry, Jess is trying to talk to me. What'd you say? We'll go ten. Yeah, that's what she just said. All right, cool. Uh, here we go. 
407 area code 988 is the beginning of your phone number. Welcome to Kayak Fishing Radio. Who's this? Hello. Hello. Hello, Kayak Fishing Radio Hello. 407. Yeah, how's it going, man? 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 Who's this? Julio. Julio. Oh. <laughs> How does that happen? <laughs> You get the number that is so random. That is classic. Julio still hasn't gotten right. to go on his trip. So what we're going to do is Julio has a trip in the bank. So right now, because my second number I was going to pick, do we still have people on the line? If you're on the line, don't hang up. Yes, we, yes, we do. If you, if you hung up, Julio, I'll get a hold of you, buddy. Very good, man. All right. Awesome. <laughs> that is classic. How does that happen? Funny. I don't know, that man. That is so classic. Karma. Out of all the people. It is. It's karma. I had another number. What's the other number? The other number is, give out the phone number again real quick in case somebody hung up and called. All right. Phone number is 714-816-4727. 714-816-4727. We should have everybody hang up and then recall, but I won't do that to everybody. All right, so the other number was four. Well, yeah, that's what, hold on, that's what we should do, that's what we should do. Okay, well then four, I'm sorry about it. So hang up the phone right no, now it's, and it's, call it's us cool, back. It's cool, because everybody dropped off, but we had three people still sitting there on the line. So oh, okay. guys, if you're, if, you're, if you're on hold, I'm going to hang up on you, sorry, but I'm going to hang up on you to clear the lines, call back. All right, call back right now, 714-816-4727, 714-816-4727. Caller number four, is that what you're going yeah, with? Yeah, we're going to do caller number four. Yeah, we're going to do number four because there's four little people in my little happy family. Four little what? There's four little people in my little happy family. So There you go. Four Me little happy family people. Yeah, four little nice. happy family people. They like one, two, three, four. Three, two, one. Area code six five two is the beginning of your phone number. Welcome to Kayak Fishing Radio. Who's this? <laughs> this is unbelievable. <laughs> is it Bob? <laughs> hey, there you go. I didn't call. You were talking about going to go on a mother ship, and then I said, "Well, I'm going to call this time." I'm fucking idiot. Unreal. <laughs> there you go. Too funny. That is yeah, classic. it is too funny. Uh, all right, Bob. Well, if you're ready to go fish, let's go quick. Let's go quick and go have some fun with some sheep's heads. Let's do it. I'll go. I'll uh, get in touch with you. Yeah, we got a big moon coming up at the end of the month, so if you can squeeze a day in there somewhere, it'd probably be a all good right. idea. Sounds good. All right, Bob. Excellent. <laughs> that is classic. classic. Too it's funny. so funny too That's because 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 That's good though. Normally, I, I like hold on. I like that. I like that because uh Bob is is uh is a client of mine and and a friend of mine. I shouldn't even say a client anymore. Um he's a friend of mine uh that enjoys booking me to go fishing. Um and we've gotten to spend some really good time together. And uh, we've had some really, really fun trips. 
And uh, I can't thank him enough for supporting me. So that's a great way to thank him. And, uh, yeah, there, there you go. go. I like that. How is it that, that that's, that's awesome. so cool? That happened, uh, what was it, the Lee, the Lee, Lee, yep, the Lee Janik night. It was like all of our, or a lot of our mm-hmm. hardcore listeners um, uh, or people that support us. Uh, maybe there's just so many people that support us, it's, it's uh, at random. But to be pulled in those just uh, those random number situations, pretty awesome. I love it. Well, it's it's what's interesting about tonight was that when when we uh, cleared the board and then had them call in again, there was normally there's a lot of three two one numbers. This time there was a lot of four oh seven numbers and a couple mm. of three two one numbers, and there was a bunch of other there was a few other numbers from out of state or from out of those two area codes, I wouldn't know out of state if I looked at it. I mean, I'm, half right. the time I'm guessing where people are from. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Hey, listen, man, you know what? It just goes to show that it pays to listen to the program live. Um, yep. Because those that are always on the – always listening to the entire show. And these are – you know, we're, we're late into the show. And uh, I think also something, too, we're going to try and – try and do Alex a little bit differently for 2018 is I think we're going to try and keep the show closer to that hour mark. We tried to do it last year a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But sometimes when we get on, I mean, tonight's a special night, of course, but when we get on, when we get on tangents, sometimes it's kind of hard to do that. But for the most part, I think that hour mark is, is really the sweet spot because after that we, we tend to lose a lot of the live listeners and, uh, and uh, those who listen to the podcast as well, we don't get a we don't get full completion, percent a, right. a, a great percentage of full completion. But um, yeah, either way, but cool. So awesome. Look, man, yeah. I just I can't say enough uh, about you. You know that man. You're you mean a lot to me. It's, it's more so than just this co-host thing. You know we're. we're like family and uh I'm I'm very happy for you, very proud of you and uh really looking forward to seeing what this year brings uh you, us, the show, our families. I think it's gonna be a good year. So um cool. There you go. Yeah. It's uh I can't yeah, I can't thank you enough for the nice words, Chuck, you know that. But it's it's easy, uh I, I guess, I mean, I hate to say it's easy um, because nothing's easy, but it's it's not a strenuous activity uh, for me to kind of be who and what I am at this moment, you know, and being a guide and and uh, and you know being active and trying to help people out, you know, being accessible and stuff like that, and giving tips and writing about stuff, and it's. Uh, you know, it's it's something that for me it's it's a it's enjoyable thing to be able to have uh an outlet for something uh, that's something that I'm so passionate about and, and uh that's that you know, it's done so much for me. Uh it was a small area growing up around here, Chuck, you know that. And a lot of people got led astray. Um and a lot of them were lost, uh, and are still being lost to this day to you know, be it drugs and alcohol or whatever it might be and uh, kind of small town syndrome, and uh, I myself think that I would have had a little bit ha- a lot harder road in life had my uh, my dad and my grandfather and my family been 
so into the outdoors and not just the outdoors but fishing in particular and and I latched onto it and frankly I didn't have time to get in trouble because I wasn't in the areas where people were getting in trouble at I was out fishing instead uh, so it worked out pretty good in my advantage and um, I don't know if uh I know because of of my love for the area and my passion that I have for the area that um if I wasn't guiding uh, I don't think anything um as far as my my local advocacy would ever have changed or been different you know what I mean I think I still would have mm-hmm. been that person um had I still been here and not you know just completely gone somewhere else when I was you know when opportunities arise for me to leave the area uh, you know prior to being uh, I could never leave this area <laughs> I always laughed at opportunities <laughs> like, but yeah, <laughs> I could never leave it. But yeah. you know, I don't see that 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 me guiding really, uh, you know, other than giving maybe me a little bit more credence to my voice and a little bit more or a little bit more impact to it because of of just being uh, somebody who's professionally involved with the lagoon on a daily basis, uh, maybe help catapult my my voice a little bit further, which is awesome, um, and uh, and obviously. Uh, gave me uh, the true passion to not, you know, give up on a couple of those fights, you know, not give up on a situation that that I I enjoy and love so much. You know, I just couldn't, you know, when when I heard about the railway, last thing I could imagine, and I haven't, sad thing is that I haven't fished the no-motor zone, and I can count on one hand how many times I've fished in the no-motor zone in the past two years since the fish kill, mm-hmm. which is sad. Mm-hmm. It's terrible, especially when you know how much time I've spent out there. I mean, just ridiculous mm-hmm. amount of time. Prior to even being no motor zone, I always had, I was a third generation cape worker. All three of us worked it. My grandfather, my grandmother, <laughs> my aunt, my uncles, uh, my brother-in-law, my dad, um, my wife, me. We all worked at the cape at one point in time or another. My dad, my grandfather, and my grandmother, um, and my aunt, I'm sure will, eventually all retired from working out there at the cape. You know, we always always had access to Cars Park before it was um, a place where you could go launch a kayak for $5. It was a place that was kind of, you know, special to people that worked out there. They were part of that workforce. And, you know, I can remember getting on the boat with my dad and my grandpa and going fishing up in uh, the hole back behind the AF hangar uh, in the cold, uh, going trout fishing or uh, fishing up around the islands and stuff from the boat before it was ever even a no-motor zone. And, uh, you know, to think that oh, they're going to put a, you know, a railway across that, I don't think it would have changed my, my, uh, my disgust for it uh, or my passion to try to stop it. Um, I don't mm-hmm. know that I would have had time to invest in uh, the amount of time that I spent at meetings and things of that nature uh, during normal, normal people work hours would have, uh, would have been hard to swing with just about any job. Uh, so I guess everything happens for a reason. Karma. Very true. Karma. Yeah, there you go. I'm a big, I'm a big believer in that. Big believer in karma. Put out what you, you get back what you put out, man. Put good stuff out into the world, you get good stuff back. It's true. So, yeah. Good stuff. Well, for sure. James? Yeah. Sure. Well, we got a, you got abducted by aliens. No, I'm sorry. 
uh, any uh, any parting words? I feel like it's we'll call it a night at this point. That was a it was a good show, and we, I have a parting word. It's just karma. Karma. Hopefully, karma's on my side and go to the Bahamas. That would be awesome. Karma was on my side in a way when I went down to Panama and I got that nice dolphin. Didn't get my rooster fish, but did get a nice dolphin, which was just as special. Um, But man, I would, I really, (laughs) you know, whoever whoever controls karma up there, please, one bonefish is all I ask. One. If you should so decide to give me multiple, I would really appreciate that. And if a permit should just so happen to swim by and decide to eat a fly I tied to, that would be fantastic. But one measly bonefish is all I ask. That's it. They're just they're just That's silver catfish that swim really fast, Chuck. That's all they are. I know, man. You keep telling me this. Is that the equivalent? Is, is Hold on, hold on. Was that that? Great. Thanks a lot, stop, Dave. Stop. <laughs> that statement. That statement is the fly fishing equivalent to picture them all naked is to speaking in a public forum, dude. <laughs> yes, that is, that is exactly the same thing. Listen, Alex. One hundred percent equivalent. <laughs> Alex, I had a we had to have this conversation on the way down to Biscayne Bay, probably five or six times along our trip down. That is what I heard repeated. Just picture him naked. Chuck, just remember, buddy, they're just silver catfish that swim very fast. And I'm like, don't don't tell me that. Like they're. There's so much more than that to me. Like, don't ruin this for me. And he's like, no, no, seriously, just think of it like that. They're just silver catfish that swim really fast. And every time I bring up bonefish, every single time I've ever been on the phone or in person with James, and I've brought up bonefish, Chuck, the same exact tone of his voice and everything, Chuck, just remember. They're just silver catfish that swim really fast. <laughs> I'm like, you don't even understand. <laughs> uh, I, re- I really, I really, really hope that uh, that you tag along with us on this journey, James, and uh, all three of us end up scoring bonefish on fly down there, because or over there, because that just would. I just don't even know. I need people there with me because I may need resuscitating. That's all I'm saying. I, may, I might need some special medical attention. I don't know. Chuck. Or at least need somebody with a camera because it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to be a it's Okay, what, what time is it? We're after nine. It's going to be a shit show. Oh, yeah. Like if, Chuck. <laughs> I'm going to freaking lose my mind. What? Chuck, they're just what? silver catfish that swim really fast. <laughs> Just, just picture remember that. Naked. Just put it all just in the proper pick, context. Just, just take all they're their shells off them, naked. Chuck. They're just they're, they're just silver catfish that swim really fast <laughs> naked. It's, uh, it's just marlin bait. It's just marlin bait. 
Just just relax. Uh, Could you imagine one of them things split tail? Oh my goodness, God! Oh my God! (laughs) Has there ever been a fish? Has there has there ever been a fish more designed to be pulled fast than a bonefish? Though, look at the way they're designed. Chin a chin weighted bonefish. Chin weighted split tail bonefish. You know, oh the sad gosh. thing is, That's you know, horrible. they eat, in, in Hawaii, they eat bonefish on a regular basis. Yeah. And I'm not talking about three-pound bonefish. I'm talking about 12- and 14-pound bonefish. They catch them on yeah. pieces of squid and eat them, or they gill net them. Yeah. Think about that, mm-hmm. how sad that is. You know? There's actually a really – well, luckily, that that is one thing that luckily areas – the areas that have populations of fish like that are starting to see because that's one that the, the, they're realizing really quick that those those Hawaiian bonefish that are like averaging close to double digits are a pretty special thing and there's a lot of guide services and uh, and stuff like that focusing on fishing for them hopefully they do a little bit more I can't imagine they're all that great to eat they're supposed to be bony as can be no wonder. No, they, gee, they I make, wonder why they're called they, uh, bonefish. They make pokey out of them. They, they're supposed to be. Yeah. They make pokey out of them and sell the snob out of them on the, the north you side can make of the pokey out, You can make pokey out of a flip flop and sell it, but that doesn't That's mean right. you should. Or, or any other kind of cat. It doesn't mean you should. <laughs> pokey is like you know, pokey is the American equivalent of frying everything. What is that broccoli? <laughs> Fry it. It doesn't taste good. Fry it. <laughs> Broccoli turn what is it that? Broccoli. Broccoli, broccoli, broccoli. Fry that stuff. What is that? Terrible. How can you eat that? Fry it. It's edible then. Add some pork fat and fry it. It's all good. Oh, good. Oh, man. Yeah, on that note, on, on, yeah, on, exactly. on Hawaiian bonefish pokey and fried flip-flops. Well, we are literally about a month away. Right at right at about a month away from that trip, so um, we're looking forward to hopefully being able to broadcast from over there. And if that's the, if we're able to, awesome. If we're not, then I'm sure the stories we shall tell when we get back will be phenomenal. We have a couple shows to go before we get to that point. So, but uh, we are going to be setting up future trips to join us over there in the Bahamas at the old Bahama Bay Resort. So, if you're listening yeah, to the program, whether it be live or on by way of podcast, and you might would be interested in said trip, joining Alex and I uh, over there to do some fishing, kayak-related fishing, uh, hanging out, having a good time, uh, feel free to get a hold of one of us, and we'll, uh, we'll give you the details as soon as we get them. Um, definitely get you on board of a. We'll get you on a list because I know it's going to be uh, a limited number that we're going to be able to bring with us over there. So uh, we'll set all that stuff up, and then of course too, we're still trying to figure out when we can we can take a trip and and uh, set that up for Panama as well, going down to Los Buzos. Now I don't know real quick. I don't know if you guys have have been paying attention or have been following along with what's been going on down there. But uh, Robert Field and, and, and some other folks just recently did a trip down there 
uh, two weeks worth of fishing. Um, the fishing down there was so good that literally a few of the guys from this past trip decided to stay for an additional week. So I'm telling you, when my experience was vastly different than everybody else's experience because of the style of fishing I went down there to do, which was, of course, fly fishing, which I know Alex will rib me for for the rest of my life. Um, but the next time I go, the you fly rod it, you will get a you got you got a legitimate solid dolphin on a fly rod from a kayak. That's pretty awesome. In so Panama, yeah, in the middle in of the Pacific Ocean, which was pretty badass, an eight foot ground swell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so it was pretty awesome. I, I, listen, the trip itself, my trip was phenomenal. I, w- I wouldn't I wouldn't have traded or changed a thing about it. I had opportunities at giant fish; they just come unbuttoned. Um, I felt the raw power of more than likely giant rooster fish and for sure Kubera snapper because one of my bonitas came up just shredded. And, uh, you know, it just, it just made me want to get back down there just that much more to, to say, I'm going down there to, to, to put a whooping on some fish. I got some, I got some, uh, unsettled business with rooster fish, Kubera snapper, African pompano, and a few other species. So, um, but yeah, so if you guys are interested in that, uh, feel free to uh, get a hold of me, let me know, or get a hold of Alex, let us know if you're interested in possibly joining us uh, to, on a trip down there. Um, again, we're not really sure the time frame as far as what month we're looking at maybe setting something up, but uh Remember, too, this is not just a fishing opportunity down there. This is also a surfing opportunity down there, too. So if you surf, you could do kind of a dual trip. You can do uh, a surfing slash fishing trip when you go down there uh, and experience some really great waves and, and, a, and a beautiful surf break. And, I mean, honestly, just a gorgeous backdrop. And when you're surfing into what looks like what is a rainforest, I mean, the shoreline, right behind the shoreline is the rainforest. It's pretty, it is pretty cool. It is. It's definitely something to to uh, to see for sure. So, but yeah, there's that. Uh, Alex, got your uh, parting words and how we how people can get a hold of you to book charters with you. Uh, yep. Thanks for hanging in there with me, Chuck, for many of those ten years. I think almost all of the ten years of my business. Yeah, we've been friends. We've been friends for a long mm-hmm. time now. Love yes, doing sir. the show, obviously, buddy. But uh, if you want to book a charter, 321-480-3255, locallungecharters.com. Not hard to find. Word. Mm-hmm. I'm on Faceplant, too. Yep, Faceplant, Instagram. Um, follow us. Send us a friend request. We'll be your friend. <laughs> we could be friends. Um we, you know, Will you, you be my friend? Overdue. What's that? Will you be my friend? Of course I'll be your friend. Um, you know what we need to do? We're long overdue doing it, too, is uh, an Orion Cooker show. Mm, yeah. Oh, don't forget about the uh, the Jackson news. Not yeah. the, the F- the shipping of the FD. 
the SPs oh, are yes, hitting the yes, market. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, thank you. Um, so, folks have been asking Bacusa about F. the new FDs from Jackson. Yes. Is um, it the new one? I believe it is. No. The new ones are being shipped. Is it? I think so. Regardless, the new really FDs are being check. shipped. I want to check out that drive system. I really, really want to look at it and check it out and you see too. what it's all about. Because Me too. very yeah. badly. Yeah. I, I think it could be the answer. I was impressed at iCast, man. I don't get impressed easily, yeah, well, and I was impressed. I know that's the truth. Um, yeah, so the new FDs are being shipped <clears throat> out to dealers. So uh, for those of you who are excited about possibly getting your hands on a new FD system from Jackson, they're they're being shipped uh, actually as of the last couple of days, I believe. So um, very cool, very excited for everybody over at Jackson. Um, talked to, to James a little bit today, and, and uh, I told him I, we would pass that information along. Thank you for reminding me. Um, don't forget to check out RCI Optics, Slayer Ink Lures, of course, Hurag, PowerPole, um, and don't forget uh, to follow up with us on our social media platforms. And I'm now I'm just rambling, so we're going to go. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Take a kid fishing. They are the future of our sport. And that's it. God bless. Good night. Good night.